RadioInfluence.com. Hey guys, welcome to another edition of The Rock Stops here. Thank you so much, man, for checking out my podcast. Tell your friends and your peeps, let's build this bad boy. Let's get this thing growing. All right, what do we got today? I got a great guest, great guest. He's a good friend of mine. He played 12 years in the NFL, Anthony Becht. Uh, He was a tight end, and I hit him up on quite a few different topics, subjects. Boom, 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 boom. We'll get into that. I want to say, if you did not hear the Brad Culpepper podcast, The Rock Stops Here, last week, uh, it's it's still there. It's, you can always go back. Just the rock stops here. Type that in wherever you get your podcast. And it's too bad I don't have like I wish I had a little bit more of a following because he was the one that broke the story that uh, the goat Tom Brady and Giselle and the kids moved. It's three weeks ago now, and TMZ came out after we did the podcast. And they came out a couple days ago and Jeter's house mansion was sold for $22.5 million. Um, you know, Derek Jeter's building a new place in Miami because, you know, he's running the Marlins. And that Tom Brady is living nearby. And I was like, wow, Brad Culpepper had that. That was breaking news. You know, nobody picked up on it. <laughs> Except you that were listening. So I thank you. I'm trying to break some stuff here for you. And Culpepper is the next door neighbor. And, you know, he was talking about uh, Tom had his knee surgery and now there's some reports that the surgery was a little bit more than we thought and he played hurt. And then Brady actually only learned like he didn't know the, really the offense until like halfway through the season. He was kind of winging it. It's a really incredible story. It really is. And here's the thing that before we get into this today, and I got a, quite a few things I'm going to I'm going to let you know about. Oh my God, there is light at the end of the tunnel. You know, more and more people are getting vaccinated. We're, we are, we are, we are, we're coming along. We really are. And you know, the CDC saying now if you're fully vaccinated, you can kind of take off that mask. Uh, and now when I saw football, I want to be ready for football season. And the NFL team, some are doing voluntary workouts until you get to a mandatory mini camp. But this past week has been that rookie mini camp. You know, where the draft picks are guys that are rookies, the free agents, uh, undrafted free agents, the team signed. And when I saw with the Super Bowl champion Buccaneers, there were actually media allowed into the facility with photographers and reporters and Bruce Arians standing there in person. And Arians said that the people in the building walking around, if you're fully vaccinated, you don't have to have your mask. And just to be able to, he's like, it's fantastic. And when I saw that, now I wasn't there. But when I saw all the media that was there and actually able to talk to Bruce Arians instead of a Zoom, like, oh, my God, I was thinking, is Zoom going to be your is, is Zoom forever? And Arians, from what I've been told, he hates Zoom. And I'm raising my hand. Are you tired of Zoom? That's why that's why I do in-person interviews. Now, there's going to be a couple of A-listers that the only way I can get it done is going to be on Zoom. But I think you lose something. And, and, and you know, what you say? You know, trying to talk over one another. And it's not. You know, you're on the computer. You're looking into a camera or on your phone. You know what I mean? So we're getting there. We are getting there. 
and I'm feeling good, and I, I hope you feel, man, the same, same way. But again, my thanks to uh, Brad Culpepper. Now, my guest today, 12 years in the NFL, he was a first-round pick with the New York Jets, and what an interesting story he has. Let me Let me set this up. Let me set this up. Now, I asked him about being drafted. You know, what was it like to get that call? And what do you hear what he had to say? It was Bill Parcells was running the Jets at the time. And he didn't get any call. What do you hear how he found out that he was a first-round pick? Unbelievable story. His son, Rocco Becht, just signed with Iowa State. He's a quarterback. Boy, he's got the strong legs. And 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 um, he'll get into this, but core, your core exercise. You know, when you go to the gym, you see these guys just doing, man, the bench, you know, doing the curls. Although that, now it's more well-rounded. But Anthony Becht, my guest here, the former 12-year tight end, Jets, Bucks, I think he was also on Chiefs, a couple of teams in the NFL, uh, still believes in core work. No matter what new fang dangled way to exercise your core, you got to work your core. You start with the core. And he told that to his son and it's work for his son. And his son is going to play division one football as a quarterback at Iowa State. The difference between training when Anthony trained in high school compared to these kids today, his broadcasting career, ESPN, he's done NFL games. Uh, he's just a good dude, coaching. Uh, very interesting, very interesting story. Here it is, without further ado, 12-year NFL tight end, ESPN broadcaster, the one, the only, the big man, Anthony Betts. Ah, Anthony Becht. You know, he's a media sensation, uh, great father and, and, and husband, uh, man of the year, uh, worked at ESPN, great college analyst, NFL tight end, West Virginia Mountaineer, uh, Philadelphia area, and he made it through. 2020 with COVID. Anthony, how are you? What's up, Rockheads? It's great to be on your your new podcast here, actually. And uh, yeah, I'll tell you what a, a nice run for me, obviously getting to this point and yeah, getting through the pandemic been kind of crazy for everybody. But, you know, we're just trying to, you know, uh, get through the best we can. And uh, it looks like we're, we're making a turn here, hopefully, and uh, get back to some normalcy. Beautiful, beautiful. First of all, congratulations in order for uh, your blood, your son, Rock go back to looks like oh my god he's going to be a man beast and he looks so good as a quarterback he's going to iowa state i'm sure that's been a journey but congratulations to the family in rocco yeah you know i appreciate it um it's been fun to watch you know uh he a couple years ago said look i want to do this get serious about this and he wants my help and he's you know, give him the roadmap, but of course he has to go do it and, and take advantage of it. But he's been very fortunate to get several offers. And, you know, being that it's just his junior season, being able to commit to a Power 5 school that's honestly in the up-and-coming uh, teams in college uh, football, uh, we're really uh, we're really excited for him. So, you know, he'll get to enjoy his senior season at Wire Grants Rest High School. And from there, you know, uh, sky's the limit. So uh, we're definitely proud and excited for him as well. How much different... Was it when you were being recruited out of West Virginia 
you ended up getting drafted by the Jets. But how big, how much different was it then compared to the situation now? Maybe let's even go coming out of high school for you compared yeah. to what Rocco and these kids uh, are in. How, how much different? Well, you know, for me coming out, you know, a lot of VCR tapes getting pumped into the mail. I mean, God only knows who got them, who watched them, if they were damaged. Uh, the accessibility for the kids now to actually directly communicate to a coach, to a recruiting coordinator, uh, to a school is remarkable with Twitter and all the access and DMs and messaging along with just the connections that the coaches have. Uh, I think there's really no excuse for kids now to get themselves in front of certain That's people. So point. you have to be proactive. You have to be persistent. You don't have to, you know, you don't blame your coach anymore because you're not getting recruited. It You have a personal responsibility now and the availability to do that on your own. So that's been, uh, you know, something that, uh, you know, we took advantage of. And, and clearly, obviously, if you can play the game, you know, they'll find you as well. So that from that high school aspect, that, that's definitely changed for the better, I think, for, for a lot of kids. Um, and then as far as... Uh, you know, just kind of the whole part with college and and to the next level. Um, you know, I'm, I'm always someone that says it really doesn't matter where you go to school. Right. If you're good enough to play at the highest level, they'll find you. That's why they pay, you know, millions of dollars for personnel staffs and scouting services and all these different things to find to find all those players. So, uh, I, you know, I'm always a firm believer of if you can play, you'll get in. So, um, you know, there's only a you know, handful throughout every year in the country that, that can do those those yeah. things at the next level. But uh, just like every level, whether it's high school to college, college in the NFL, um, you know, I, I just think that, you know, now is, is if you're good, you know, doesn't matter what school or division you go to because they will find you. That's interesting on the social media aspect. I didn't think about that. Okay, so there's that. But what about the training that kids <laughs> In high school, if you are good, and all that they do from seven on seven, from nutrition, for what they have at, from where they can go and be trained, compared to what it was like when you were coming out of high school in that Philadelphia area. Yeah, I didn't have camps. I didn't have any of those things. Uh, you know, I didn't lift weights till my senior year, and I didn't have any idea how to do it. Wow. Isn't this um, so- you know, I, I just think. Uh, you didn't really, you, you didn't know. I mean, unless you knew somebody directly that had gone to college and played, then that was your only really opportunity to find out anything. But I think now, you know, just everything that's out there, training, uh, the information, you know, the information you get online, YouTube, Instagram, like I, I can learn about Bitcoin in 10 minutes through Instagram videos for people, you know? So it's like, there's no excuse for you not, if you want to jump higher, you go YouTube it or find it and you're going to find several workouts that are going to help you jump higher. You know what I mean? So you don't have to pay the dollars if you want, if you can do that, that that's right. an option. Right. But I think when, from the standpoint of just, just from the standpoint of just going out there and doing it, I don't think any of those things naturally uh, are different as far as training and stuff. I think there's a lot more maintenance training out there that that are being sold to kids and stuff. My opinion, the core strength, the core lifts are still the same. They still got me 12 years in the NFL, got me through college, got me to be a first-round draft pick. So those are the things that, you know, for me specifically, I passed on to my son, and they work because he got bigger, he got stronger, he got faster, and he's like, damn. He's like, Dad, this stuff works. I said, well, yeah, it works. It, it, nothing's changed, Isn't but something? the options of what you can do, everybody's selling something, and some have great things they do, and some are just, you know, part of the, the market of it. 
But uh, you're right. Accessibility to those things is just so much bigger now than it was when I was playing. And, you know, and then before me, hey, you know, there was nothing. So yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it's definitely an interesting aspect as you see it. And in particular, too, what it's caused, I guess, maybe on the downside is with all these avenues to train and do all these things, everybody thinks that they can go to the next level and, and and parents think that their kids you know should be getting scholarships and, and really that hasn't changed because what schools and teams and stuff are looking for you know it's not that hasn't changed for for the, the test of time so and that's, that's kind of what it's what it is yeah you know i had yo murphy on former nfl player but he trains guys yeah. and he was telling me there was a father of a six-year-old yeah. son that said, I want you to train my kid. And you know what he said? He goes, does he have an older brother? Yeah. Have him go play tag. Seriously, yeah. have him go run around. Be a, You know what I mean? Some parent, because yeah. some parents think that their kids, you know, you give them the training and they're going to go all the way. And that's not yeah. the case, Anthony. As long as it's important that the kid wants to do some of those things, that's great. You know, actually, Yo does a great job. He does train some of the elite draft guys uh, every single year, which has been incredible to see. And he's done a great job building that up. But, yeah, I mean, you know, look, I, every parent, sh- you know, should want the best for their kids, just as long as everybody's on board and, it, and they keep it fun. I would say wait till high school to kind of get serious and make sure they want to do it. You know, that's kind of the easiest way to go about it. Now, for you, coming out of high school in uh, the Philadelphia area, you chose West Virginia. Mm -hmm. They love their football there, though. It's good quality football. Why West Virginia? Was that a culture shock from you, Anthony? You know, it wasn't a culture shock for me. It wasn't a big deal. That was the only scholarship I had, Rock. I mean, I didn't have any other options. Uh, I was going to go D2, if you can believe that, and pay my way. Uh, The best D2 school that was available in Pennsylvania. And they just came in late. A tight end dropped out, and they offered me the opportunity. They weren't thinking I'd be, you know, pan out to be much. I, they mentioned a lot about special teams developing myself. So, you know, for me, I looked at it as an opportunity. I believe that I could play Division One football. I needed to get stronger. I had the size, and uh, you know, they just, as long as I had the opportunity, I really didn't care how they thought about me. I'd prove, I'd prove that you know they made a good choice. And then ultimately, I was on the field after my redshirt freshman year, and then of course started my last two seasons there. And became a first-round draft pick, so uh, it's a it's a bit, it's a great story. But I think it, you know you maximize what you get, and you know you get the most out of it. You, you never know. So I just believed in myself, and and I took that route, and and it worked out. I've talked to former athlete, uh, pro NFL guys. They say that that call, it's hard to describe. It changes your life. And even to this day, even the recent draft, when you see the kids and their families and they get that call, what was that like for you when you got that call, Anthony? I kind of had a unique experience. Uh, You're right. You do see everyone get the cell phone call, the call in their house. Everybody kind of knows what's going on and the pick happens. I actually did not receive a call pre pre pick. Matter of fact, the spot that I was thought I was getting picked, uh, Paul Tagliabue comes up to the podium, and I'm thinking, man, I. The Jets aren't taking me with the 27th pick, and I'm thinking to myself, where am I going? Because Parcells told me that's where I was going and this, all that. And then uh, he announced my name, and and everybody in my party was just in unison, a huge – huge scream a huge cheer it was so cool because I was but I had no idea I was getting picked there and I thought I was but and then after I got picked you saw the my phone started blowing up and it was Parcells my agent and Al Groh the head coach at the time for the Jets and they're like well what'd you think of that I was like well you know pretty exciting I would have liked to got a call before <laughs> I may be the only first round pick though ever from what I've been watching I've never heard that TV, I've never seen a guy get picked in the first round that didn't quite know right before the pick it was going to happen but hey 
either way, it was a great, uh, great experience. Now, you played with several teams, but most notably the Jets and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and you have called Tampa Bay your home. We besides off the field because okay right now oh with Brady the defense everybody wants to cut they're, they're the Super Bowl champs and the Jets well they, it's been tough but other than that what is the biggest was the biggest difference by being with the Jets in the New York New Jersey metropolitan area and it's strange because you know you're over in Hems- were you over in Long Island with a training yeah, facility yeah, and then you play yeah, at Giant option. Stadium but playing for the Jets. And the difference if you're a player playing in Tampa Bay for the Buccaneers? Well, it's the biggest media mecca in the world, right? New York City. Uh, if you win in New York City, man, it's like, you know, that, that sticks with you a little bit. You know, around the, the city, there's a lot of pro teams, man, and they treat you right. You know, it's just a different atmosphere. But if you're losing, uh, just as much as it's if you're winning, it, it gets tough, you know, because uh, they're very passionate, you know, uh, with the Jets and the Giants and all the other teams that are in the area. But, man, if you win in those, a city like New York, man, that's something that sticks with you. You look at Joe Namath, he's gold, you know, walking around New York, man. You know, there is no waits for him at the restaurants. There's no, you know, seat not available for him he gets it and and he's a great dude though uh, when coming to Tampa it was a little more different I mean uh, they had won a Super Bowl in the early 2000s uh, fan base is kind of you know fair weather uh, you know they, they celebrate the team when they're winning and it's just like anyone else they kind of but it's not as harsh I mean the media is like half of what it is in New York you know they're they're not as harsh on you uh, than maybe the, the 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 bulk of them so yeah, from a from a transition standpoint it was just a, a little more lax. Uh, situation coming to Tampa, but you know you get all the perks, the weather, and the the the, the no income tax, you know, and all those kind of things. Those are great. But uh, I'll say this: I mean, you know, both organizations are great, but you know, the the Jets organization from top to bottom, even to this day, the people that are still there uh, treat me as if I'm still a player there, and it's just been remarkable. And you know, the Glazers and and them as well when I was there. But you know, just from a standpoint of just embracing not just me, but former players, legends, and things of that nature. Just Jets have really like set the bar with that and it's pretty cool to be a part of them you know to this day you got to do one of the picks did you not i did how, yeah how cool was that yeah that was Jets? really good so i was up there doing coverage for them for the draft and they let me pick uh the i think it was a 175th pick of the draft which is the fifth round and i had to pick a kid that went to pit which is interesting because all the west virginia <laughs> fans on my twitter were like saying you know that old saying eat something pit i was like all right here we go i was like but uh hey hopefully he pans out you know maybe that was the lucky call but uh, that was great it was fun to do that kind of brought back memories of just hearing your name you know when I was playing and then uh, you know to do that for somebody else and I'm sure that was a great feeling for for his name was uh, Jason Pinnock uh, a DB so uh, it was really cool to do it was fun you probably have a little extra special in your heart hoping this kid is going to make make it now I do want to get into your broadcasting but just just two quick ones on the Bucks and on on the Jets and then I want to get this is about you Uh, Brady coming here I was just thinking about on the drive, like with all the fame, he's good looking. He's got so much money. He is still driven all the rings. He made everybody better. The defense, they're now the the hunted. Did you see the jersey sales and and yeah. merch is number one? They set a record and they were last. It really is incredible to me when you really think about it, Anthony. In one year with Brady. Yeah, uh, look, he's not the same player as he was at his peak, right? I mean, so it's not like he came in and. You know, magically, like, let him on his own. Uh, he made people believe, right? Uh, guys in the locker room that didn't understand what that culture meant. He not only brought 
the play with it, but also what it takes to get that culture. And the guys listened. The guys opened their ears, and they believed in it. And I thought that was huge. Um, you know, the guy's passion. We both came out in the same draft in 2000. Wow. The fact that he is uh, has a passion to do what he's doing. No, don't get me wrong. When you're winning all the time, it's very hard. That, that makes it that much better. But doing it down in Tampa, I saw a different Brady. I saw a guy that, you know, a little bit off his shoulders a little bit, a little more relaxed, having a little more fun. You see it, you know, kind of the more he's done on social media and some of the things he's done outside in, the, in, in Tampa Bay. Uh, those things have been fun to watch. He's kind of been able to open up a little bit and enjoy. And I think that's kind of made it, uh, you know, made it a little bit better for him as far as enjoying the back end of his career. How long will he play? How much more has he got left? As long as he stays healthy I don't think he cares how he goes out if he goes out on top that's good I used to think like oh you got to go out on top but to him to him I just feel like he's just going to play till he can't because he loves what he does and I, I would do the same thing uh you know especially at that position the quarterback position you can do that for a long time so uh you know I, I just think the main thing is he just made these guys believers and understand what it took and then you know he guided you know I don't think he did anything special overly special at the quarterback position now his knowledge and his ability to read and do all those things obviously is above anybody else at the quarterback position but when you talk about skill sets you know he's not the best at skill set wise in the NFL there's other guys but he was able to you know still win the biggest the biggest prize at that age because he had the team believe in what they were doing so you know that 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 was kind of the best part about it to watch now the Jets have a whole new regime new head coach are they on the upswing do you believe what do you what do you what do you what do you see I mean they can only go up I guess you're right. They can, man. You, know, you didn't win too many games the last couple of years. So, listen, Joe Douglas, the GM, Rex Hogan, the assistant GM, Chad Alexander, Phil Savage, these guys have been around this business a long time. They've worked under some very prominent general managers uh, at Indy, at the, the Ravens, uh, the Eagles. If these guys can't figure it out, nobody can, right? So there's nobody out there right now that's better than these guys collectively to make the bring the players in, draft the guys. Uh, Coaching-wise, you know, I got to spend some time at Robert Sala and, and some of the staff are really excited about it. Got a great mix of young, up-and-coming guys and veteran coaches that blend together so they can share their experiences. He's very big on communication, being on the same page with the GM, being on the same page with, with the coaches. Sometimes there's some rift in that with a lot of teams because everybody's got their ego, however they want to do it. Uh, they had a great draft, I thought. I think they got at least four starters out of this draft. They need a lot more players to step up, but they have to be better. I think they will. I think collectively, from a coaching standpoint and personnel standpoint, again, I don't know who else can get it done. So I expect them to get better this year. And, you know, my, my, my window's three years. They have 10, 11 picks next year, two first round, two second, I believe two third. And then that third year, everybody will have a year, year or two under their belt. Can they make that move and put make that push? I think it can happen sooner, but again, it's it, it does take time, especially when you're starting off with a rookie quarterback. Now, you made the transition from former player to broadcaster, and I saw it firsthand doing s- small stuff with little me, and I remember being out at Ray J, and I'm like, look at it, look at it. He's got paperwork. He has done his homework. A lot of guys don't do that, you know, and it's great. Yeah, if you got a really, really big name and you get a gig, but still to stay there, you still do have to do the work, and then you've made it, and you've done great, and being an analyst on ESPN, was that your philosophy? Uh, did someone tell you? Is that just you? You, you worked you worked to get to where you were yeah you know obviously if you can play a long time make a good name for yourself that's going to get you in and help you 
Um, but you do have to put work in just like anything else. I treated the broadcast, my broadcasting career as if I was preparing myself to play football games, get myself, you know, drafted or whatever that is, that same type of push and drive. Uh, if you want to be great at something and separate yourself, you have to put the work in, right? And it really doesn't matter. It does come in levels. So I started from the bottom and I worked my way up and I worked up fast. And, uh, you know, now it's just, uh, you know, it's kind of like, what, what do I, what do I want to pick and choose and do? I, I do both college and NFL. The best piece of advice that someone thought they were giving me, honestly, I didn't listen to it. Someone said, just pick one and be great at one. I didn't want, I wanted to be great at both. I wanted to do bass, I wanted to do football college level, and I wanted to do the NFL. And, uh, you know, if you put the work in, you, you can be good at two things. So that's what I've been able to do. It gives me more diversity within the actual game of football. And, you know, this league right now in the NFL, I probably – seen every player at the college level play because it is a younger league right so that transition and that build up and having that knowledge has helped me and uh you know and again as you get better you can tear down you know when I got better in the NFL and learn the ways you tear yourself down on the kind of things you do you still work hard and prep but the way you go about things you know the, the way you maximize your time or prioritize your time is different so uh yeah i've been able to parlay that up and and just do the best i can with it and and uh you know we'll see what that career it's been good for me so far and we'll see what the future holds for me you know i was gonna say you you were man you you were rising you know you were rising really really and then 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 there's cutbacks at espn everybody in this business has experienced that you had not experienced anything you were on a path did that set you back a little bit? And, and you know what I mean, no. honestly? Yeah, so, I mean, you know, for me, you're right. I, I felt like I was a guy at ESPN, and I think you're yes. letting you know that. Look, I, I got I didn't have a package this year for ESPN. Uh, they told me that, you know, it was a higher-level thing, and my contract was up, and we have to use the guys that are under contract, and we didn't know if we had enough games at the pandemic. Right. And, you know, that kind of hit right. me ego-wise, but it, that really wasn't what it was. I mean, it was, it was just more of a numbers thing, and unfortunately that's how the business in general – happen so uh you know i have an opportunity to go back we'll see what happens i did do some nfl games national radio games uh and uh, got some raving reviews on that which you know i knew that that would be great for me i'm not saying radio is easy but for me from doing tv to go to radio it just it flowed for me a little differently than maybe if you're doing it on tv oh nice there's a lot more going on with tv i mean you got (laughs) to producer all that different thing not that you know i love doing that i do it well but radio is you know more more relaxed for me uh as far as you know what you're doing so and it's more descriptive you know you don't have to you know everybody sees on tv radio you got to be a little more detailed on what you're doing there so that was kind of interesting so we'll see what happens i mean listen you know uh you know it was a good run with espn you know who knows what the future lies with them but again you know you just gotta uh, having diversity and other things has allowed me to do multiple things and not lean on just espn as my after career. I mean, uh, you know, doing stuff with the NFL. I work with the NFL as well as a Legends coordinator for former players transition. I've been doing that for seven years. I work with the Jets. So I do other things where ESPN's good, but it kind of doesn't define my post-career. That's the way you got to be, man, because when if you put your eggs in one basket, you know how it is, man. You just, and then what's next? Sometimes people don't know. So that's why doing multiple things for me was always important. Nice. Just a couple more off the, I was thinking, you know, we've seen how big programs like LSU and Alabama and these kids, the amount of draft picks, the amount of talent, they come in, they play right away. And then I started thinking about coaches like Urban Meyer. What do you think? If you see Spurrier, you see even Saban, these were great coaches. They didn't make it. It took uh, Seattle's Pete Carroll, you know, another try. 
what do you think? You've done some Urban Meyer games. Yeah. Honestly, do you th- is it a slam dunk? Is it not a slam dunk? What do you think, Anthony? I, I, I look, Urban Meyer is a fantastic coach. He's done an awesome job throughout his career. He's risen up to the highest level in the college ranks, and he de- deserves every accolade that's handed to him. As he's stepped away from the game, done a good job of media, as he's come back now and, and kind of got into the NFL, it kind of has been a train wreck, in my opinion, a little bit, just on the hirings and you know the coaching staff. It's been kind of a cluster of different guys, not really guys that I've seen him build other teams and stuff around. You know, I, I don't know how much he knows all his coaches personally. Uh, then some of the bad hires that he made that made some national news with the strength coach, just different things. And then, of course, you know, it, it's not as easy as just I'm Urban Meyer, I'm stepping the door, Nick I'm stepping the door and things are going to be like great uh, great moving forward. There is a process for everything. If he goes in with the mindset that, you know, he kind of, again, just like anything else, gets back to his roots and doesn't walk in there like, I'm Urban Meyer, this thing's, and he'll be fine. But sometimes that's where you are in your career and you can't, you can't really mitigate that. So uh, I don't know. We'll see what happens. I don't necessarily see instant success, but prove me wrong. I, you know, I want them to, you know, be as successful as possible. But it just seems like just off what I've seen so far, yeah, a little yeah. bit of a cluster. You know what I yeah. mean? Uh, of kind of like, okay, what's the plan? You know, like, okay, you're good, but like, almost as if like, you know, he didn't really have a a real plan because it was kind of a spur of a moment thing, right? right so right. did he really have the best guys available that he wanted to make it happen? Not that those coaches can't do it. It just didn't seem like it. Meant well with some of the names I saw with what he's kind of been been with and been around the last 20 years of coaching. All right, we'll close on this. What are you looking forward to this football season? Is the number one thing your son? Is it getting back to doing games? What, what would you like to see happen this fall for Anthony Becht? You know, for me, you know, uh, last year not working with ESPN was a blessing in disguise. I got to help coach my son's high school football team, nice. be a part of that, not miss any games. You know, previously Friday nights were not an option for me, calling college football games. Um, you know, for me, it'd be, you know, maybe do some college, uh, NFL games on Sundays, more national radio games, uh, being able to see my son play, still contribute and help out, not only him, but just the other kids on the team that I've been, you know, trying to, you know, instill values and skill sets to uh, for the last year year and a half um but that's really it man i just like i said i'm gonna keep my options open see what's available and if there's something out there that makes sense i'll jump on it if not then you know i'll continue to do what i'm doing you know my wife does some real estate in tampa bay which is nice she's been very busy so boom 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 i'll do i'll do some of the uh the chores around the house if i have to she's gonna be i don't mind her being a breadwinner at all so if that's the case Go, go to it. I'll, awesome. I'll hang out. You know Listen, I mean? man, I, I can't thank you enough. You're a great follow. I remember when Twitter first started, you were on it. You would even do NBA games, and I mean, and that's that's part of the that's part of the deal now. Give us your social media for uh, those that are not following you now, buddy. Yeah, so it's Anthony underscore Becht. Uh, that basically links you up to all my platforms. There's a link tree there where you can get on everything. Also, I'm having a youth football camp here in the Tampa Bay area at Wiregrass Ranch High School in Wesley Chapel for kids grades first through eighth grade. Uh, that's June 7th, 8th, and 9th. You can go to Anthony Beck, B-E-C-H-T, footballcamp.com. Uh, registration's getting really full, and if there's kids in the area or you're close to Wesley Chapel, bring them on board. It's a non-contact, very fun introductory uh, camp to football, but yet we take all levels of football players at the grade school level. We'll have current and former Buccaneers at the camp as well, working with the kids and a bunch of other special guests, and it's a one-stop shop. They have fun, and, and we get to give back to the to the 
athletic program at the Wiregrass Ranch High School and, and do some good things for the high school kids as well. So uh, anthonybeckfootballcamp.com. You can sign them up right there. The pricing's great, and uh, we have a lot of great sponsors as well. You're a good man. Thanks, no Anthony. You know, it's funny. I have run into Anthony here and there, and uh, I don't know, maybe two years ago or so. Time goes by so fast anymore. Uh, I was traveling to New Jersey, came off a plane at Newark Airport, and I looked and I'm like, oh, there's Anthony Beck and his wife. And he ended up going into the, the men's room, and I was in the concourse there at Newark International Airport. And, he, and I, I lost track of him, and I mentioned it to him. He said, oh, you should have said hello. But he does a lot of work back in the New York, New Jersey area with the with the New York Jets. And uh, just last week, I texted him, and it was funny. I saw on social media he was at the Morris County Golf Course. I believe it's the one in Denville, New Jersey, and, I, and, I, and he was playing golf. You know, he was back in the area because the Jets train in Florham Park, New Jersey, which is Morris County. That's the county that I grew up in. I grew up in a town of Dover. Dover was, it is blue collar. Blue, 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 blue collar. Morris County, in general, is a middle, maybe even upper middle class, you know, very expensive now. Uh, but anyway, he was there and I and I, I saw Anthony. He's going to be my guest next week. And he's at in Morris County playing golf. And I say, you know, Anthony, I grew up in Morris County. And he had a funny response back. He's like, I'll mention your name. <laughs> I gave him the funny emoji, you know, the laughing emoji. But he he's a you know, he's a little bit more reserved in his stories compared to last week with Brad Culpepper. Uh, but he's just a, he's a solid man. He's a good, strong man, a good family man. And you, you know, you can trust him. And I always liked him. I always liked him. And he started out his career and he was, he's, he's moved quickly and look for him this fall to be doing games and analyst work. And, uh, I just want to thank him a whole, whole bunch. All right. Now, a couple of things. The NFL schedule came out. The opening game, Thursday night, the Dallas Cowboys. How about them Cowboys? Dak Prescott against the GOAT and the Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers on a Thursday night in Tampa to start off the season. That's a good one. That's going to get a lot of eyeballs. And Jerry Jones he did a thing with, uh, what's his name? The rapper. Um, he's got the tattoos on his eyes. Uh, it's actually on the Dallas Cowboys official website. You can see this. He puts the chain on and he's, it, it's, it's hysterical, man. And Jerry Jones likes the limelight, but he does things, he does things right. Now, I used to do a radio show not that long ago with Martin Gramatica. Martin kicked for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He also kicked out for a short time with the Dallas Cowboys, Indianapolis Colts, New Orleans Saints. I think that's about it. But his main gig was with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I got along with Martin great. We, we, we got a good relationship. Got a lot of respect for him. But Martin told me and told our listeners on the show, when he got signed by the Dallas Cowboys, as a veteran kicker to come in, uh, he he dealt right with Jerry Jones. 
They take care of you. The Dallas Cowboys, when you sign with the Dallas Cowboys, they put you up in a hotel. They take care of a rental car for you. They take care of some other expenses. I think it's for maybe a couple of weeks, but not a lot of the teams do that. Like a lot, you're on your own, man. You're on your own. Not with the Dallas Cowboys. So say what you will about Jerry Jones. Now, I have got, I think, one of the funniest stories ever about Jerry Jones. Now, it came from my source, who I trust. I worked with this guy. This guy is a regular guy. He, you, I don't want to say his name, or I don't want to go into specifics of the story. All I can tell you is, if you ever see me anywhere in person, ask me about my Jerry Jones story. Since I didn't specifically see it, but I really trust my man who told me this story. He doesn't bullshit. He's a regular dude. And it happened outside of a dive bar in Mobile, Alabama during Senior Bowl week with Jerry, Jerry Jones. And I think it, every time I tell this story to someone that might be a Cowboy fan, they crack up. So if you ever see me out, ask me about my Jerry Jones story. It was at a dive bar. And uh, it's hysterical. I, and I, I don't know if I told this on the podcast, The Rock Stops here, early on. I can't remember whether I told it on radio. I told it at the bar. I told it here. But uh, I, I've been lucky enough to go to a couple of these Pro Football Hall of Fame ceremonies and actually be there for a couple of days in Canton, Ohio. And we were doing some work. It was either Derek Brooks going in, Warren Sapp going in, and I was working for a TV station in uh, the Tampa Bay area. And so we were up there to do reports during the day and blah, blah, blah. And I remember it was the day before it was, it might've been the, I don't remember. Was it the, it might've been the induction ceremony. They have a media day uh, at a high school before. All I know is, it's a high school stadium. It's one. Of the, it's an old high school stadium, but it's nice. It's nice. In Canton, Ohio. I love the small town atmosphere. And when Jerry Jones, the Cowboys were playing in this game, and Jerry Jones's bus pulled up and parked outside. And I happened to be walking from the high school cafeteria, which is where you do your media stuff, uh, maybe to our rental car, or I was going back and forth to the stadium. And I remember the, the bus pulled up. And they're like, I said, look at that bus. And it was tricked out. You could see inside some of the fixtures were like gold. And the driver uh, for Jerry Jones's bus, he comes out and he puts down a little step stool and he puts down a little like red carpet. So if you're lucky enough to go on Jerry Jones's bus, you step on the red carpet, you go on a little step stool, helps you in and gets in. Then... So I went to uh, the, the the stadium. I came back. Here comes a limo. Here comes a big limo. And out comes a couple of businessmen, some women. And boom, boom, boom. They go in. Boom. And they were, I, I think there was also like a, a, a waiter or a wait staff or a server or girl, something inside. I mean, I didn't go in. I just happened to be observing. I'm like, look at this. And then... I went back to the media center. I had to go back to the stadium and another limo pulls in and here comes Romo, Romo and his, I'm assuming it was his wife and the, the, 
the driver make sure he's on the red carpet and, and boom, he goes on the step stool and goes into Jerry Jones's gold fixtured bus. Bus. That is my Jerry Jones story for today. <laughs> um, what else is cooking? What else is cooking? We, uh, we got the playoffs going on with the NHL is, is now going on. The NBA is going to start. More and more fans are going to be in the stands. And I know from my other source in the NFL, they are, they are planning on full capacity for NFL games. So I, I just, you see those ticket prices, man, for the uh, Patriots and Brady going back to Foxborough. Oh my God, man. Oh, where you got, you just, you got, you got that kind of money. You got that kind of money. I certainly don't get that kind of money. Um, a couple of things that I wanted to get into. Um, oh, oh, you know what really still, what does surprise me is the amount of publicity the amount of outrage and the amount of love, worship for Tim Tebow. He is a, you know, if he ever does make it back into the NFL, you know, with Urban Meyer. Right now, it's still up in the air uh, as I'm recording this. And how about what Anthony Beck had to say? He said it's somewhat of a train wreck what Urban Meyer is doing. Like, I, you know, he thinks he's all that, and he is all that on the college level, but and the NFL is totally, totally different. You've got, there's so much money that these stars are making, and some of the egos, and you're not going to be able to be just like, look, it's my way or the highway, get the hell out of here, you know. I honestly don't know, and Anthony doesn't see immediate success with uh, Urban Meyer. What do you call it? A little bit of a train wreck going on. But, you know, it's amazing. Tim Tebow, I mean, for a tight end, backup, backup, backup tight end, or even when he was in baseball, minor league. Like, I remember when he signed with the Mets, he was the number one selling jersey in, in the Mets organization when he just signed. To rookie league, you know, and from those that have met him have all told me he is the real deal. Like he is an unbelievable young man and wants to do better in life and help people. And he really does. And it's just it just blows me away, though, that a guy is 33 years old and hasn't played in a long time. And the amount of publicity that he generates or just on both sides of the Tebow. It just, to me, it just, it, it just, it just blows me away. Also making news, A-Rod becoming an owner of the Minnesota Timberwolves, right? Remember when he and J-Lo tried to, you know, try to be the Mets owner owners and how, boy, thank God that didn't work out. And now, uh, Jennifer Lopez going back to Ben Affleck, Affleck, Affleck. And, you know, is that going to work? You know, can you ever go back to an ex? Does that ever work out? 
you know, there's that old saying that you can never go back. Do you think it's ever going to work out? Now, I can tell you that A-Rod, here's another story. This one I'd be a little leery telling here. Even though this is a podcast and anything goes, I want to be honest with you. Here's another one. If you see me, because this one's a little, (laughs) all I can tell you about A-Rod is he's a little strange. He's a little strange. Unbelievable, unbelievable Hall of Fame baseball player. So freaking talented. Guy I used to work with played high school baseball, same time as A-Rod. And the guy that I work with was playing in like the Bradenton area and they played a game against A-Rod. A-Rod was out of the Miami area and he said A-Rod was like a man child amongst boys. The power, the strength, the arm strength, the physical ability. It was a joke. I mean, he was he was so good. Remember when he first came in and with Seattle? So I have been, I was in the Yankee clubhouse, you know, a couple of times when they would come through and just, you know, he's one of those guys that he's got to be, you know, he's in front of the mirror. He's got to make sure that the, uh, the suit is just perfect before he would talk to the media. But he is a little bit out there. I'll just leave you with that. And again, you see me out. You ask me if I know you. You ask me about the A-Rod story, and I'll tell you, he's a little bit strange. But anyway, you know, reportedly he was, who knows, he was cheating on, uh, you know, J-Lo. And then J-Lo, so (laughs) J-Lo was singing at an event just, what, 10 days ago, something like that. And she purposely sang uh, the Neil Diamond song, you know, which is the that anthem for like the Red Sox. And she did it because Ben Affleck is, Affleck is such a Boston fan. And she also did it to piss off A-Rod. Um, you know, the Neil Don, you know, that Neil Diamond song that they, they sing. It's kind of like an anthem. But anyway, I was just wondering, you know, can you ever go back? Does it ever work? with an X. Now, I'll tell you what. Randy Macho Man Savage. Oh, yeah. I got a couple of little stories with with, uh, Macho Man. Macho Man, after he was done, he was, he had a, he had a a spot in the movie, um, was it it Spider-Man? Wasn't it Spider-Man? And I was working at a TV station And I would go, I would take a break in the evening and just right down the road, it's a town called Pinellas Park in Florida, and right down the road there was a Gold's Gym. And I used to go down there in the evening and maybe work out for an hour. And Macho Man, Randy Macho Man Savage, was working out in this gym. Now, I had met Macho Man briefly. There was a thing that they have in St. Pete every year called Rib Fest. And they, it's great, man. They bring in national acts. It's outdoors along the river walk. I was always lucky enough to get a band and get in the VIP tent so you get free beer and you're not with the crazy. It's so, it's so awesome. And one year I was asked to be a, I'm no damn celebrity, but be one of these judges to judge the ribs. The ribs, you know, with the ribs and the sauce and the rub and your rib. And Macho Man was one of the celebrity judges. 
And he was still jacked and he had the big chain around the neck. You know what I mean? The dark hair back, you know, and he really does. Talk, oh, yeah. I, I, I'm not doing a good macho man, but he really does talk like that. Very colorful. And uh, he couldn't have been nicer with all of us. And we did some judging and blah, blah, blah. And I, 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 he didn't remember me there. There was another time after that where he was on the sidelines for an NFL Buccaneers, I don't remember who they were playing, and it might have even have been a preseason game. But I know I got a chance to interview him, and I mentioned my name. And at the time, you know, cable was a lot bigger than it is today. So many people have pulled the plug. But a lot of people used to watch this show, 11 o'clock at night. It was a half-hour show. It was live. I did it for 14 years. Took calls, brought in guests. And, you know, living in the area, so maybe... Maybe he might have known or remembered, but all I know is he was working out at this goals gym and he was just, you could tell he didn't want to be bothered. He was kind of coming down from the limelight. And one, and the one time I was in there, it was late. It might have been after 1130 when I was done. Although I don't remember too many times that I ever worked out that late, but I know that there wasn't many in there and there was Macho Man. And I said, Hey, Macho. Hey, Macho. And, hey, how you doing? And that was it. And I said, Rock Raleigh, man. Local. Oh, how are oh, How you doing? And he goes, I couldn't sleep. When I can't sleep, I can't sleep. Insomnia. I come to work out. And I said, oh, that's great, Macho. You're doing, you looking good, man. You're doing good. You're doing good. That's when he was trying to do this rap song. And old Hulk Hogan, and, and, and it just, you know, whatever. But my point is, when I asked you, you know, can you ever go back before Macho Man died of having that heart attack when he was driving and he was with his, he hooked back up with a high school sweetheart after all that, Ms. Elizabeth and then the other I don't know if he ever got married to her. I, I he might have. I used to, I saw him a couple of times uh, at the Tropicana Field for a Rays game because Macho Man used. Do you know he played in the St. Louis Cardinals organization? I believe he was a catcher, so he was a hell of a baseball player. Even if even if you're in rookie league, if you get signed by a pro team, damn, you can play some baseball. And, you know, it was only a short time and it didn't work out. So he liked baseball. And I think he had a big hum. I think I remember a Hummer. I remember him and she was blonde. And I saw them a couple of times when I was going in early and they, he jumped out and they were going to see a baseball game. But past all of that, when he let his hair grow, no more dyeing it. And he was just coming down and no more. He look he looking like he was at peace. And he now there's one where you can go back. And he did go back to his high school sweetheart. There's another guy I know. Now, I'm just on top of my mind. A guy in Jersey I hadn't seen in, I don't know, 20, 30 years. Local radio station. He hit me up on Facebook the other day. He's like, oh, I didn't work out 30-some years with my wife. I'm back with a high school sweetheart. Sometimes this can happen when you go to reunion. Is that possible? A high school reunion? But anyway, anyway, there you go. And, And one more thing. Randy Macho Man's brother is Lanny Poffo, the leaping, what was it, the leaping, he was the genius, leaping Lanny. What a nice guy, interesting guy, different kind of a guy. And through 
a, a gentleman who has passed away, Ted Webb. He was a longtime radio icon in Tampa Bay. And Teddy used to do a lot of wrestling stuff, wrestling shows. The wrestlers all knew him. And a couple of years ago, when I was on a small AM station in Tampa Bay, and somehow, oh, it was to another friend of mine. See, it really is who you know. You got to make the contacts, man. And Drew Felios. Drew Felios is an announcer. He's worked for ESPN. He was doing these pickleball national championships the other day. And uh, but Drew knows Lanny Poffo. And I hit up Drew. Drew, you got Lanny Lanny's number for me? And he did. And I texted Lanny, could you come in and do an interview with me on the radio? And Lanny said, sure. I gave him the address. And he came in. And the first thing that Lanny said to me, he goes, you're friends with Ted Webb. Ted told me you're a good guy. That's why, I, you know, that's why I'm here. I'm like, wow, how about that? Isn't that something? Isn't that something? That's what I told my son, man. You're... Your reputation is everything, you know? If you are an asshole, you are going to have a hard time in life, even if you're good at your job. <laughs> that is the, it is the truth, you know? So, you know, you can, but whatever. So anyway, Lanny comes on and he is a wordsmith. He is a great storyteller. And uh, we were all done. And I said, let's get a picture, Lanny. And my board up, Tyler, took the picture. And then we took a picture with Tyler and Lanny. And Lanny took all, he had Macho Man's Hall of Fame ring from the WWE. And he got inducted after he had passed. And Lanny Poffo, you know, gave a speech. He was up there. He got the ring. And Lanny was wearing the ring. He took the ring off and he gave it to me. And he put it on my finger. And I took the picture. And I'm thinking... Look at this. I am wearing Randy Macho Man Savage's Hall of Fame ring. And that poor gentleman who, who, the Macho Man, oh yeah, who earned that. One of the greatest showmen ever in wrestling history. He never even got to wear it. And I'm getting to wear it. Thank you, Lanny. And so when I started doing this podcast, I know Lanny, like I said, Lanny's a little different. He's like, I'm going to give up my car. That's what he told me. during. I'm like, you're going to give up your car? He goes, yeah, I'm going to give up my car. I'm just going to take Uber if I ever need it. I got a little apartment, a little condo here near Westfield Mall in blah, 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 where it is, blah, blah, blah. And then I ran into Lanny not long after that at a at a strip mall. There's a food place, natural. They got good food. And Lanny was walking. I said, Lanny, what's happening? You do live around here. He goes, yeah. So I looked him up and he moved out of the United States. So I could do a Zoom. We'll see. But if he ever comes back, I would love to bring him on here because he's just a he's a a good guy and a great, 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 great storyteller. Uh, Let's see what else I got for you today. Oh, oh, you know what? This is with the A run this now. I don't know how I you know what? I don't even know if I want to get into this. You know what? I don't. So I'm not going to. It was another. It's the whole. Remember when like a celebrity did a sex tape? Well, look at the Kardashian, Kim Kardashian. That's how she made. That's how she became famous. Right. With a sex tape. It's got to be a hot woman, a hot chick. Like nobody cares if some male that's pop. Remember Hulk Hogan 
with the sex tape, with the Bubba tape, the Bubba tape that was stolen and blah, blah, blah and all that jazz. And it really wasn't worth a lot because it's Hulk Hogan. I mean, I know he's Hulk Hogan, but do you, do you want to see a sex tape of a, a famous guy? Like, I don't. I don't. And I saw just the other day that the female in the Dave Portnoy sex tape. Now, you know who Dave Portnoy is? If you don't, you're a little bit older. He is the owner of Barstool Sports. They are so popular with the younger male audience. So popular. I follow him on a lot of their social media, their clips. I got to give this guy credit. I don't, he's not particularly my type. I don't know what it is with the skinny jeans with a guy and he's not my type, but I'll tell you what, he has done it. He has, he's a, is he a billionaire yet? Multi, multi, multi millionaire. He's grown this thing from outside of the Boston area when it started. He also did an, an unbelievable thing for local businesses, small business owners. You know, he does the pizza thing during the pandemic where the government, he raised so much money for these small business owners. I give it up to you, Dave Portnoy. I, 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 I give it up to you. But I didn't even know. So he did a sex tape within this year, uh, and the, 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 the girl is beautiful. And apparently it was leaked. And I don't know, she's wearing a dog collar. So I, I didn't see it. I don't care. Like, I don't care. And I thought like, are we past like the, the sex tape? Now, Tommy Lee did the sex tape with Pamela Anderson and Pamela Anderson was huge. And Tommy Lee from Motley Crue, you know what I mean? But I just happened to see it that the girl said that she would change nothing, that it was leaked, that her phone was blown up, that she didn't know that this was going to go public and it and you know stock dropped a little bit with barstool but then again after that happens it's i mean if you're good day in and day out but my point is i didn't even know i didn't even know that there was a name portnoy sex tape i don't care i didn't click on it it doesn't interest me didn't i tell you guys aaron andrews remember aaron andrews when some jackass some weirdo creepo was following her when she was on the road for ESPN and he checked into a hotel right next to her and drilled a hole in the door and then was able to get this camera through there and saw her. Now, I knew of her as a young girl out of the University of Florida starting her broadcast career. She was an intern, I believe, at Fox 13 in Tampa Bay. And I remember it was at a lightning game and I used to see her at the press box. I was introduced uh, to her and just a nice young girl trying to make it in the business. Her father was a news reporter in town at a at the NBC affiliate, Steve Andrews. And we were at a lightning game and in the uh, cafeteria, the lunchroom, dinner room. And I remember her saying, oh, you know what? I through somebody set up an interview with the lightning president, Ron Campbell. I'm, you know, I'm trying to get in and, and, and I got to go up there and see, I said, do you know where to go? And she goes, no, I said, I'll bring you up. And so I just brought her up. I opened the door. I saw Ron Campbell, who at the time was the lightning president. I said, Ron, 
this is, are you supposed to see an Andrew, Aaron Andrews? Yes, yes, yes. That's right. I'll leave you. Boom, boom, boom. And I went back to the press box. And then, and after a while, Aaron came back. And I remember her saying to me, she, I go, how did it go? She goes, I think it went pretty good. And she ended up getting the job as the lightning rink side reporter. And from there, she went to Turner and she was doing anchoring. And I guess it might have been a little bit too fast. I don't know if she had, uh, it was a, a little too fast and it didn't last. And then ESPN was covering at that time the, the playoffs in the NHL. Because ESPN got the hockey back, by the way, if you don't know. And she got a shot. And she already knew a lot of the Lightning players and the Lightning coaching staff. And she was doing it for ESPN. It was kind of a trial. And I remember seeing her through that and wishing her well. And she got the gig through that, doing hockey, because she had already known Lightning. And she got it, and she was in ESPN, and then boom. But my point of the story is when that tape when that video came out of her walking around naked in her hotel room that she didn't know, I didn't even look at it. I'm being honest with you. Look, I'm a guy. I like a good looking body of female. I'm a, I'm a man. But I almost felt like I was like the older brother, almost like dad type. Like that would be a little too much because I knew her and I never clicked on. I never clicked on. So... I don't know why I even brought that story up, but I did. Oh, because of the Dave Portnoy sex tape. And I just think that it's, uh, we might be past that now. Like, does anything shock you? You know, anything, anything at all? All right, what, what, what else we got? Now, let's see. I might next week, I might hit my buddy, bar. you know, confessions of a bartender. Uh, he's worked at all kinds of bars, unless... Damon, his name is Damon. And again, I want to start doing a little bit more entertainment besides just sports celebrities on here. You know, I want to branch out a little bit, but I'm going to see how it goes. Um, Unless an A-lister comes through Damon, I might bring him on. Just how not to act a fool at a bar, how to tip, what happens if you've had one too many, uh, just all kinds of stuff. So he may, he may debut next week and will, he's going to be on here with me. And I promised him. And I just think it's, it's interesting because look, it's, I would assume most of you, the majority of you are male. The majority of you have gone into bars or sports bars or dive bars. I would assume, right? Right? So maybe you get a little insight. See if you can relate. My thanks to Anthony Becht. My thanks to you for listening to me. I, I, I appreciate it with all my heart. And for Radio Influence and for Jason and for Jerry making me sound good. Until next week, another edition of The Rock Stops Here. And there is light at the end of the tunnel. Is there not? Is there not? Aren't you feeling good? I think we're, I think we're almost, almost, almost seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. Talk to you next week. This is a Landry Football Quick Fix on Radio Influence. Been asked a lot about the Tim Tebow situation. He's a polarizing figure, right? People love to love him, and people love to, I don't know if hate him. I think they love to say, well, why is this guy getting all the attention? He's more of a made-up story than a real good football player. And, and you know what? You're all right in some way, shape, or form. Here, here's what 
is, in my opinion, reality. Guy was a great college football player. He was not the traditional passing quarterback, but he was a big-time leader, big-time winner, big-time champion. Was, without question, the most important person in the Urban Meyer tenure at Florida. No one set the tone. No one kind of set it into a, a different level more than Tim Tebow. Had a great career. Drafted, I, I thought was, look, in my mind, I didn't have the vision for him as a quarterback as Denver did when they were drafted by then head coach Josh McDaniels. People will talk about, boy, he, he did a lot better job in Denver. Look, he did a nice job in the role that he had. He certainly was not a good passer. In a passing league, you know, he's not a guy that throws accurately or well on the road, on the run. So he wasn't a fit in the pro game, sustainability-wise for the passing game, at quarterback. He is, without question, one of the more competitive people that I've ever seen. Um, and to the point where he takes a personal affront to when you, when you try to give a critique of him, he takes it as you don't believe in me. And, and, and that's the chip on your shoulder that all, all greats have. But I think he took it to the point where he probably blinded himself to what the best reality for his pro football career could have been. And that is to embrace doing multiple things. The Landry Football Podcast with veteran scout and coach Chris Landry can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com.